Welcome to the 150K Podcast, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Have you ever had a dream of being successful, living a life you love? If so, this podcast is for you. From practical applications to tools to help you level up, I am going to open up my network of success so that you can achieve your life by design. So sit back, grab your pen, and get ready to level up. Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Today, I have a guest that you've heard about a lot on my show. He probably gets mentioned almost every time um, because he's impacted my life a lot more than almost any other entrepreneur I've run into. Most of you could guess right now, it's George Bryant. Super excited to have you here again, my friend. It's been, I looked it up, it's kind of crazy. You were episode 57, and I Whoa. just dropped 117. Uh, this will probably be episode 121. So it's been almost 50 episodes since we've actually been on the show and talked. Now we've talked wow. before then, but you know. Yeah, well, I feel like this is technically podcast three because we should have hit record 10 minutes ago because we just did podcast two when we weren't recording. Uh, so we'll just, you can tell them that story on another podcast, Joe, and then that'll close the loop for them. So for the O's listening right now, it's probably, and we'll just do it right now. We'll Nostradamus it. We just had a conversation that I'm going to make Joe accountable to that Joe will tell you the story about at completion of his new commitment. So you're about 80 days away that we could wrap this and seal this in an envelope that he will speak about as probably one of the biggest breakthroughs in his life, entrepreneurship and business uh, pretty soon. So now, Joe, you get to tell him that episode when you when you complete the whole story. <laughs> Yes, I will definitely do that, but they have to wait. So that would be good. Um, I think the last time we talked, you talked a little bit about your story, your past, how you went through trauma and then started helping people and doing all that aspects. And you've been in my world now for probably about two and a half years, maybe three, somewhere okay. in that time frame. And I've noticed like a lot of shifts and stuff with you, even in that time frame, from how you were operating and helping people to where you're going now, but if you want to give people a little bit of uh, insight on to where you're at now and what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, yeah, I love that. And and I actually, I have, I have a, a point about it, but I'll see if you take a question that way. And if not, I'll remember to, to say it, but, um, yeah, so where I am now, uh, I'm the happiest I've ever been. Uh, and my life on paper looks nothing like a life that I would have designed. And I love it because the space existed for me to surrender to that. So I spend most of my time now uh, creating a whole lot of free content that I love making, you know, for the podcast, for social, uh, running our events, right? We do two, in my opinion, two of the best customer journey events in the world a year. And then coaching entrepreneurs like yourself to help them hit their, you know, goals, life goals, financial goals, business goals through the lens of marketing business and, you know, self-mastery. And then uh, running my companies, uh, the companies that I own. And uh, it's it's a pretty, pretty fun, beautiful day. And so, uh, yeah, and actually, I'll just preemptively go ahead and say, Joe, you know, when you asked me that question and when you were framing the question, um, all I was hearing, and I was listening to you, but what I was hearing internally was, holy moly, even in the last three years, I feel like I've been 16 different men running 48 different businesses in the last 36 months. And all of my struggles as an entrepreneur early on were only struggles in reflection because I was so romantic about what it looked like that I never allowed myself the space to explore other options because of fear. 
And it basically became self-fulfilling prophecies until the entire business or my life broke to where all I could do was change and relinquish that control. And now my business model, my content, what it looks like, and everything that I'm involved in feels like depending on the day of the week, I would have a different description on what I do for a living. And I'm just smiling about it because it's kind of funny. Yeah. Well, but it, it makes sense because as you grow, as you help, as you do more with people, you should grow. You shouldn't stay the same. You shouldn't be stuck in that same pattern because that was good then, but it's not who you should be now. Mm-hmm. And I think too many times entrepreneurs get caught up in the, well, this is what I'm known for. I can only do this. But in business and life and sales and everything, you get better all the time. So how how do you improve on what you do? How do you you know, level up for lack of a better word or move that needle forward so that you can become the person you need to be now? Yeah. Well, that's a loaded question and like a seven hour podcast, but I'll do my best to chunk that one down, Joe. <laughs> um, so the first part of the question is how do you do better? Right. Uh, and it would be interesting to think how somebody would assume I'm going to answer this question. Uh, but that's a loaded question that isn't an answerable question yet because there's parts underneath that question that need to be addressed before you have that clarity. So in the lens of how do I improve or how do I get better, the first step is actually having an integrous awareness of where you are in every area of your life or business or in the area that you specifically want to get better in. And I say integrous intentionally because um, – I am the best in the world at customer journey, but I spend three to four hours a day learning more and learning more because I also know there are plenty of people that are a thousand times better at me. They're just not executing it in the way that I am in business. And so I know I'm the best with a lot of room to grow, but that is a very different conversation than I know that this is the way that works and it works this way and I don't need to be open to learning. And so when I say having an integrous current state, it's looking at yourself in the lens of the areas that you want something to change in and being nice enough and accepting enough of yourself and having grace to not look at it like there's something wrong with you or that you failed something or that something's not working. Just like you can be the best athlete in the world, but if you make a mistake or something doesn't go right. It doesn't still mean you're not the best athlete. It just meant at that part of the game, there was something that could have been improved upon, right? And so you get this accurate current state in the areas that you want to grow in of where you actually are and thinking about leading a team. Give yourself a grade of like, oh, I'm a three out of 10. Well, what are three things that would make me better? X, Y, Z, right? And then when you think about, selling. Uh, Well, I'm good here. I'm good here, but I'm uncomfortable here. I don't know this and I'm not sure of this. Okay. What are three ways that I could learn that? Right. And so it all starts with an accurate current state. And then once you have the accurate current state, the next step is to paint the picture of what you want it to look like, like what you want your life to look like, what you want your day to look like, what you want your operating day to look like, your containers, your environment, your meeting schedule, where you spend your time so that you actually have confidence that that's what you want. Because if you're not clear on what you want, you will start investing in yourself or learning about things that aren't actually moving you closer towards your goal. 
they're either keeping you stuck or moving you further away. And then we end up getting resentful and then not stopping and then having more evidence to continue. So the second part is to paint that after state. And you have to be willing to do it, not from a place of, I know how to get there. That's not what we're doing. If you knew how to get there, you'd be there already. Yeah. From a place of what do I want and why does it matter? I want to be doing this. This is what my days would look like. This would be here. And when you have that picture, what you're left with is a very clear understanding of the distance between where you are and where you want to go. And then you audit that and you identify the things that are important that you can tangibly invest in, whether it's habits or behaviors or education or learning. And then you intentionally start consuming or learning in order to solve that specific thing that becomes a measurable step that you can see that because you're taking it and you're going to continue to take that action, you can see how it's going to get you to that place that you want to get to. And so that's kind of step one on like, how do you go about it? Step two is once you've identified these things, you also have to have a proactive cadence in your life about doing self-assessments and self-audits so that you have an understanding about where you're spending your time, where you're investing your time, and where it's getting you or not getting you in your life. And so that requires a relationship with yourself, right? I'm bullish on stillness practices. I'm bullish on breath work. I'm bullish on walking alone in silence, driving in silence. And all I'm really saying is I'm bullish on allowing myself the space to think and reflect on the information needed to make these kind of informed decisions. <clears throat> and so once I've reflected and I've had that, then I can intentionally commit to things, giving them the chance to work, not based on how I feel, but based on knowing that will work. And so if I've identified that I want to lose 10 pounds, no matter which way I slice it, there is no way for me to lose 10 pounds tonight healthily and keep it off. This yeah. is going to require a daily commitment or a shift in my habits or rituals. And so I'm not going to try to run 30 races at a time, but in that audit, I've identified that this one is the most important one. This is the one that will solve a big challenge or will help with the other areas or are foundationally sound or will help fill my bucket or help my self-care. And so I commit to it. But when I make that commitment, I actually have to commit to giving it a chance to succeed, which means I have to set myself up to win. So I'm not going to go try to go on a diet or go on a workout routine. I'm going to try to change my identity around those things and then align my actions to do that. So I'll make a commitment that I'm gonna go for a 20 minute walk at least five days a week, and I'm gonna replace one unhealthy meal a day until I lose 10 pounds. And I give myself a window, a commitment. Let's give myself 90 days. That's fair, that's easy, that's good. But that means in that 90 days that I am bullish and committed regardless of how I feel. Not, oh, this isn't working, this isn't there. No, that I'm actually chunking it down and holding myself accountable to realizing that goal. And then when I get to that point, I do an audit. Yep, I'm here. I'm going to continue this behavior. And then I look at the areas again and I set myself up to win. And it requires intentionality because so many people try to run 12 races at the same time. And you can't. You can only run one. And when you start running one, you also have to understand that it's a process. And it's your commitment to the consistency of that process that's actually going to get you to your result or a lot closer because you might miss four days of working out in a row in your third week and you're like, oh, screw it. I failed. 
I'm never going to lose the weight. I might as well just stop. But in actuality, if you just jumped back on where you were, maybe you didn't lose 10 pounds. You lost seven. But that's seven more pounds than you would have lost by just quitting. Mm -hmm. And so then it's about having the discipline and the accountability with yourself and your environment around you, your team, your family, your friends, your colleagues, the people that hold you accountable and then actually committing to that growth and then allowing that to be the thing. And that commitment and the practice of those things is also what allows us to start to be comfortable with the change muscle. Because in entrepreneurship, no matter which way you slice it, the game changes every day Yeah, by design, by default, which means the things that you did yesterday might not be effective today or tomorrow. And so the more practice you have in realizing that Every day you are hit with this opportunity to hit reset and you can in that moment choose your behaviors and choose your actions and you're choosing one of two. You're either choosing the behavior or the action that's going to keep you stuck or move you further away from your goal or because you've given yourself the time and space to think about what's important to you, what would make you better, what's there and you're met with the same choice, you can intentionally choose the thing or the behavior that if you consistently commit to will actually create a different result down the, down the road. And then the more you practice it and the more you use it, the faster the process becomes to where now I can have things in my life that aren't working and I can bring a 10-minute intention to it, make one shift, and it's a permanent change because I've practiced it so much. And so when you see growth, When you see changes, when you see people's evolutions, including your own, the ones that you see are successful are not the ones that are trying to do makeovers in one day. Yeah, They're just worried about putting on a pair of shoes that don't hurt and walking in them comfortably so they can continue walking. And once that's fixed, they move on to the next one and they move on to the next one, understanding that consistency over a long period of time is the guaranteed path to success. And it is not about intensity. It's about that consistency. And if you're consistent in actions and behaviors that are clearly aligned to a direction that you want to go, then it's just a matter of patience until that result becomes real and not getting in our own way and self-sabotaging it so that we can allow it to become real. And so that is the I think the shortest answer I could give to like the most loaded question ever. <laughs> I like loaded questions. So let's talk a little bit about this because I have, and I've been, like I said, I've been working with you for a while now. So like I do the stillness practice. I drive in silence now. I sent you the thing. I listen to pretty much what I call medicine music for lack of better terms or whatever. And I've seen the change in me, but I still have these times where I'm running into the self-sabotage or trying to do something quick and intense because I think it's my ego wanting to get validation instead of just going through that process and learning to let it work. So how do you formulate or how do you, like, I understand sometimes you, 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 you get self-awareness, but just because you're self-aware does not mean you take the correct action on it. So how, how can you walk through that process? Cause I'm aware of a lot of stuff I need to change, but I don't always act accordingly how I should. Not well, so first, should is a shame based word, so cancel that one. All right, cancel. There is no should. Um, so second, I also want you to recognize that part of the answer to your question was also in your question because I'm going to ask you a question 36 months ago, did you recognize the behaviors? No, no, 
you only learned about them because they caused collateral damage in your life and somebody else gave you feedback, correct? Mm -hmm. Great. So then you had a new awareness. And then you started operating differently. And then you started to catch occasionally the things that you had gotten feedback on. Making adjustments to them while also missing some of them while you got more feedback, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So then that continued until you started to then catch behaviors that you used to catch after. And now you're catching them before you make them and making a different choice. And the feedback is getting less and less and less. Yeah. Yeah. And then in that process, now that the feedback is less and less and those habits and behaviors are in, did you start looking in other areas that you were out of integrity and then start finding feedback on those areas? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe, you're already doing it. And so the, the reason, no, and the reason I say that intentionally is because the nature of the question implies that there is a finish line or something tangible or measurable that would allow you to say, oh, I did it today. But the truth is, is that that does not exist because we're human beings, right? So I am going to answer this question with the how that I would recommend, but I think it's important in nature to understand in the question, when you're growing as a human, when you're looking to get better, that awareness is the finish line. And the moment that you have an awareness of any pattern, any behavior, or you are met with a point where you get to choose, you have already won the game. That doesn't mean that every time you're going to catch it or you're going to choose the right path or the right thought. But it does mean that because you already have the awareness, there's nothing to change. There's nothing wrong with you. It's now instituting environmental design or habits and behaviors that hold us accountable to the new actions until they become a default. And then the universe opens up 74 more wounds for us to do it again with. Right. So mm -hmm. that's ultimately the nature of the game. And so I'll pick any tangible example. I'll, I'll pick a, an easy example of like recognizing in our business that because we did this awareness audit or this current state, that I thought I was working, but I realized I was on Instagram four hours a day looking for inspiration, right? We yeah. can all agree that that's not the best way to go. And so when you start recognizing that, you're now aware that you're using Instagram four hours a day, which means the next time you're in your office and you lose awareness of what's happening or you get triggered and you pick up your phone and you open Instagram, you're going to have a thought that says, oh my God, look, I'm disconnecting with Instagram again, right? Now, that moment without a plan is guaranteed failure that then we use to collect evidence against ourselves. Look, I'm doing it again. Oh, my God, I'm so fucking horrible. I know I shouldn't be doing this. I just had a meeting about it. And fuck it, I'm going to keep doing it. And we make it <laughs> six hours, right? Yeah. Instead of having a plan. But if we know that that's a behavior we don't want anymore, then what's the new behavior? Well, the new behavior would be replacing some of that with creation or with space. But what do most entrepreneurs do? I'm not going on Instagram at all. Well, yep. What the fuck? Well, you're just guaranteed to fail. So how about when you catch yourself on Instagram, you set a 15-minute timer on your phone and you make a deal that when the timer goes off, you will stop consuming Instagram and you will do one thing that will move you closer to a goal in your business or life and then go back to Instagram for 15 more minutes, Right. And so what it really boils down to, Joe, is that when you find these awarenesses and you catch them, that then you put a plan or something in place so when they show up, 
that you have a decision to make that sets you up for success rather than no plan to where all you can do is ruminate and continue the shitty behavior. So on my podcast, and you can we can find the link after, but this is exactly why I designed the SOS method. Because if I am aware that I want something to be different in my life, and then I find myself stuck in a pattern and I'm aware in the pattern, but I don't have the strength to get out of it. I don't have the awareness to get out of it. I don't have the tools to get out of it yet. Well, I have a plan in place to get me out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's the most important part is that there is no finish line here. This isn't about, oh, I figured it out or I healed that or I changed that behavior. This is about having a daily integrous relationship with it and realizing that every day it hits reset. Yeah. And at any moment with these new awarenesses, you have what you need already. It doesn't make it easy. It's not easy no. to implement because in that moment, what we're having to choose is typically the path that feels like it has the most resistance because it's the responsible growth path to take. Mm -hmm. And no matter how many times we test it and we go through it and we know immediately on the other side of that is relief and clarity, at times it's still hard to commit to that. And so we design these plans in our place so that when those moments happen, the gap between the trigger and the bad behavior gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter until eventually We start to catch the trigger before it changes our behaviors, and then eventually it's eradicated until it's replaced with a new one that we go work on next. And I think that that's the easiest way to answer that while also being integrous with what it's like. There is no, I have it figured out. There is no, oh, it's set it in, forget it. There is no coast. It's like, hey, it worked today, uh, but tomorrow it's going to require that I make it work again. So I might as well just be excited about it and go hit those behaviors again. And if I miss great. I get to take another shot tomorrow, but let's protect the progress. Let's realize that if I have the awareness, I know exactly what has to change. So the only thing that's missing is the clarity on what muscle I'm flexing and how I'm going to flex it. And then a plan that if I lose it, how do I get back on track? And that's the nature of the game. And I love that because it takes away the I think a lot of us, well, first you mentioned this, entrepreneurs throw themselves into the extreme. Like Mm -hmm. I was four hours on Instagram, so now I'm not going to do it. Or we try to do this big, great thing so we can get our validation and be happy without really addressing the problem, which is the inner work, which most of us run from. So that's the first thing I heard you say. The second is having a plan or something in motion to be able to respond to it is good because I I like that. I'll use myself an example. If I go and sit out by my camp or by my fire pit and I get on TikTok and just scroll mindlessly for an hour or two. That's not profitable. That's not really good. But then there are some days I'm like, you know what? I'm going to let myself do this, but it's a choice. And I think that we have to understand that it's okay to have the choice and then just be fine with the choice, which I think is hard sometimes because we always have these thoughts in our head of, well, I need to be doing this or I need to be doing that. Well, and that that is an important note and an important topic because need and should are all shame-based words. And even when we're thinking and speaking about those things, we're not honoring ourselves, and we're not being integrous. Because truth be told, Joe, there's multiple times a day, every day, where I need like to fill my bucket to go disconnect, to go listen to a song, to go watch a YouTube short, to go you know, do blank. It's my relationship with that that makes it effective or ineffective because I look at those as superpowers because it's getting me back into alignment. It's filling my bucket. It's holding me accountable. And it's so, so, so important to do that and to recognize that because it protects the progress and it protects the consistency. 
And you also have to have grace with yourself because if you're being mean to yourself, you're out of integrity with yourself. And if you're out of integrity with yourself, every behavior, every action, everything that you touch will not work by design because you're just simply not being honest. And there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I just need to be on Instagram for 15 minutes. It's when we do it and pretend that we're not in control of it mm-hmm. or that it happened to us. Or my favorite one is that the fucking fork made you fat. No, <laughs> I made myself fat because yep. I couldn't keep the fork out of my mouth. It wasn't the fork. And that is actually, Joe, what is so profound to me. And like, you know, the amount of therapy I've done in 30 years of my life and how much I've been through. And the craziest fucking part for me is that I could summarize it all up instantaneously is that the moment I have a thought or a need and I don't make it wrong, it always turns into a positive result, but it's my relationship with it. Mm -hmm. And and so I know that if I want to scroll through Instagram for four hours, something is going on with me and to pretend that it's going to get better on Instagram is just a lie to myself. And I know that to be true. And, but because I refuse to acknowledge it, then I get into comparison itis. And instead of being mad at myself, I'm like, well, I should be doing this because they are, or this is where I'm supposed to spend my time. But it all boils down to that lack of integrity because what you're basically saying is that you're empty, but now you're going to collect evidence that you should be doing something from an empty bucket and expecting it to create a positive result. You'd never let that stand up in a court of law. You wouldn't wish that on anybody. So why even pretend? And it's only that that evidence lands and we believe it because we're just not being honest with how we feel and what we need in that moment. And that doesn't mean in those moments, Joe, that we're going to have clarity. It doesn't mean that I I catch in that moment that, oh, my God, look, I just want to scroll through Instagram for an hour. Then I'm going to know why. My job is not to know why. My job is to acknowledge the check engine light is there. Exist with it, realizing that if I let those emotions jump into the driver's seat, that I'm guaranteed to fail. But if I acknowledge that those emotions are there and I keep them in the passenger seat and I sit with them, I can choose from that place to go on Instagram for 15 minutes or go for a walk for 10 or take an hour off or clear my calendar, but I'm doing so with intentionality. And nine out of 10 times, Joe, that's the thing that creates the clarity and creates the breakthrough. But there are plenty of times where I've had those feelings last for months. And I'm like, oh, it's still there. Up, oh, it's still there. Up, oh, it's still there. And then I'll be like, oh, that's what it was. But the only reason I found the clarity was because I protected my progress and my commitment to what I said. And this is going to sound really fucking dark, but I'm going to say it anyways because it validates the point. I have attempted to take my life. I struggled a whole hard with suicide ideations. I overdosed. But then I realized that I never really could have gone through with it. And when I had that stark realization, I realized that I was committing slow suicide because I was too chicken shit to do it. But yet all my behaviors and actions were breaking my life, leading to more pain and evidence. And now where I live today is that I want to live and I want to be here for as long as I fucking can for my family, for my friends, for the world, for me. Fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. And so at any moment where I find myself stuck and aware that I'm stuck and still choosing the bad behavior, it's simply because I'm out of integrity with myself again 
and I need to check myself that I said I wanted to live. And this is not living. This is punishment. This is sabotage. And this is dying. And I don't need to suffer. And I don't need to struggle. And if I really want something different, I can choose it. But it all starts with integrity, Joe. All of it. And that includes me still. I'd say at least once a quarter. Asking my wife to sit down and be like, hey, I need a minute. I'm feeling this and I'm afraid. I'm having thoughts that are not mine. And no, I don't want to act on them, but I'm just having confusion. And I need some help processing it because this feeling's been here. It doesn't mean I need the answers. It just means I need to acknowledge integrously my fucking current state. And the moment I do that, the path gets crystal clear and simple to execute. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm a sales guy and I'm speechless. Not really, but it was just, that was, I just want that to set. Cause that was very powerful, like extremely. And I think a lot of times we, well, let me ask you this thing. Cause I know, I know you want yeah. to ask you this question. Is it that we run and hide in our trauma to protect us because it's comfortable? Or is it that we're just afraid to be integrous with ourselves? How, how does that get processed? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a beautiful question. So let me start here. I am not a psychologist. I'm not a licensed doctor. I would consider myself a trauma specialist given the amount that I've done, the work that I've done. And yes, I coach this and get paid to coach it. But let me just lay that out there. This is just my opinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. So first... Nobody consciously chooses to hide in their trauma. Nobody. So first, it's important to understand that the the vehicle that your soul inhabits right now is a biological creature that has one function, and it is survival. And the one thing that challenges survival is change. And so it is not that people get trauma in their life and everybody has trauma and then are aware of their trauma and then are like, I'm going to go choose this horrible fucking behavior over and over and over and then get mad at myself. No, it's that our body, when we get put into our sympathetic nervous system, our fight and flight nervous system immediately goes to survival. And when it goes to survival, our height and our emotions get heightened and we get all this adrenaline And we don't know where to put it. And so we just kind of sit with it. And it's kind of hard to process. So first, I just wanted to say that, that we are also the only mammal that doesn't have a natural lymphatic drainage system for when that elevated cortisol is up. And there's all these like scientific pieces that go with it. So first, I wanted to say that. Um, Second, is that when it comes to the trauma, it unravels for everybody completely differently. But the first step of all of it is having an awareness of it, which will then allow you to see the emotions that are underneath it. And they don't dissipate, but that gives you a place to start working on them. And some take a day, some take an hour, some take a year, some take a month. It, it, it depends on, on a lot of different circumstances. But then there becomes a point where your relationship is trauma with trauma almost seems like a book that was written about an experience that you didn't live because you can talk about it and relate to it from a place of this is a part of my story. This is a part of me. This is, this is how I operate. This is how I live. Like for me, I talk very openly, you know, this about my Mm -hmm. sexual abuse, about even my indiscretions, about my addictions, about my lies, because I love those parts of me. And so for me, 
my default when things were hard or the resistance came or I was committed to something great, but I still had charge or triggers around my trauma, my default muscle in that moment was survival. So I went to what I knew. Uh And so I would also get frustrated and I would cry to my wife and I'd be like, I didn't do it on purpose. I really want this to be different. And all that meant in the moment is that that charge or that trigger moment was still so powerful that it had more hold of my subconscious than it did my conscious. And that my environment and the things that I was working on and doing hadn't uprooted it enough or didn't have enough support to where it could bring it into my awareness so that I could choose something different. And so these are things that I had to start recognizing and I had to start seeing. And then my wife and I would make rules and she would we would make words. And she's like, hey, so if I say this, I want this to be a trigger for you that you're spiraling. And this is one of those moments. And she would say them. And I'm like, oh my God, you're right. Like there is no, I need to process this more. I, I need some space. I need to call my doc. I need to, you know, do whatever. So I, I think it's important, Joe, just to recognize like that alone. Like I don't think people are conscious like, oh, I want to be miserable. Or I'm going to do boom. Even when you have an awareness of the behavior, even when you have an awareness of that pattern or that, that addiction of drinking or smoking or whatever, and you know it's bad, but yet you're still choosing to do it. That moment feels hopeless. That's what mm-hmm. it feels. And all that meant for me and in everything I've studied with psychology and trauma was that there was still a part of the wound that was getting served, which meant that there was a part of me that with the ill behavior was giving me more of a benefit than the positive action because I couldn't see it because there was still too much there. And so that just meant that's another area I get to work on. That's another place I get to go. And I am talking about this like this was easy, but there was a three-year stretch where I worked on one wound, like mm-hmm. one one thing every day consistently. And so, no, very rarely, Joe, do I think anybody knows the game, has an awareness of the game, and then consciously chooses to go into the pattern. What I believe happens, and I think this is the easiest solution, is that when we go into the pattern or we go into the behavior knowing that it's still there, we have to understand integrously that we will not have the willpower or the tools at our capacity to mitigate it or handle it on our own, even if that means just processing it or sharing it with somebody. But we think that we do. So what we do is we self-isolate and then we try to work on it in the area that's causing it. And it actually makes it feel harder and more stuck. And so for me, the simple part of it and the easiest way to mitigate it is knowing that when you have some of these triggers or their behaviors, that you go down this rabbit hole that you can't get out of, that the moment you recognize them, that there's other people or a support system or a tool in your life to where when it happens, you don't have to think you already have the plan in place, whether that's a text to a friend, a, a phone call to a spouse, opening your phone and recording your feelings because that works, or a writing prompt, or an email to your doc. It's making sure that you set yourself up in those moments that if it's caught, or if somebody else catches it, that you have a reminder or a tool or something in place that can at least help bring your awareness to that happening again. And then the more that you practice this and the more that you flex it, the easier and easier it gets. And I don't know if that answers the question, but that felt like the only way I could answer that question. No, it, it, it does a lot because I think many times we get caught up 
or like you mentioned, we do self-isolate because we're trying to fix it and having that support system in place or people you can reach out to or getting it out helps. And I have a why for this too. And I think the why might help people understand, right? So in your brain, you have your reticular activating system, right? And if you think about the amount of information that your brain processes every day, and I forgot the stat, but it was some ridiculous fucking number of like millions a second, right? The reticular activating system of your brain takes prior experiences and things in your brain and uses that as a filtration system on what's happening in front of you to remember, to focus on, or to filter out because it has this purview, right? So this is also called confirmation bias in the sales world and you know the reticular activating system. And so it's important to understand that because when you think about the nervous system of your body, right, you are either in your sympathetic or parasympathetic, which is either fight and flight, fight or flight, and rest and digest. When you are in rest and digest, you are kind of at peace. You're at ease, right? There's no constraint. And so in that area, your reticular activating system tends to be open to possibility and open to ideas and open to things, right? But the moment you're triggered, the moment there's trauma, the moment there's a wound, the moment there's any spike and you jump over into your sympathetic nervous system, your reticular activating system closes off into funnels or tunnel vision Mm -hmm. and only focuses on survival. And so what that does in the brain though is it just changes your filter to only look for danger, which means when you're ruminating, all you're going to find, no matter how hard you look, are all the hard, dangerous, worst case scenarios Mm -hmm. that can potentially happen. And so by default and design, There is no way for you to get out of it except to pattern interrupt it. Uh And that's what we're talking about. It's just a knowing that like, oh, wait, bring me back in my body. Give me a reset. Hit my breath work. Do something to just kind of pattern interrupt that thought. But that's why, Joe, that's that's exactly what happens. But as you start to unpack your trauma or unpack your wounds or your habits or whatever it is, and there's not as big of a charge – when it gets triggered, you don't go full sympathetic and tunnel vision because you can see it a little bit differently because the heightened emotions aren't there, which clouds your vision and only tune your reticular activating system into the pain and into the trauma. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. That's like when uh, you had said about the shame word, I said cancel because I was like, oh, wait, I remember him saying that like sometimes you need to have something break that up. Yeah. And so just like, you know, we think about all these areas, we can we can name a hundred places in life where we see friends or family or ourselves end up going on tilt, right? For lack of better terms. And then we can even see how in all those moments, the only thing that helped is when we got pattern interrupt out, right? Mm-hmm. When we get off tilt and like charge those emotions, you get the hiccups. How do you get them out? You scare somebody unexpectedly, right? Oh, pattern interrupt, gone, right? There's all these moments. And so what we need to do is when we are working on these things, when we're when we're working on ourselves, when we're growing, when you're self-realizing and self-actualizing, you have to realize that you're a small component, but everything around you is a giant component in your environment and your tools and the things that you're surrounded by are the other 99% of the equation. Mm-hmm. And so the way to win the game is to leverage your environment to hold you accountable to what it is that you want to achieve and chunk it down to start really making measurable progress so that you don't have the ability to spiral 
or you don't have the ability to get out of control. Like, you know, I, and I've gone so far and I've coached entrepreneurs that are literally addicted to work. And no matter what rules I made with them, no matter what I did with them, no matter what, they would not listen. And they would end up picking up their phone and working whatever. And I remember one, I called his wife. We bought a safe. We made a code. And I put his fucking, I had her put her, his phone in it every night at nine. And he couldn't get it till nine the next day. And he was so mad and he was so angry and it took like three days and the whole pattern broke. Mm-hmm. The whole pattern broke. And, but we knew we couldn't hide it from him. We know he couldn't keep it off. And I was like, I got you. I'll, I'm willing to get you to fire me over this one. I'll do it. But it was just that one and that one pattern interrupt. That one changed his whole awareness and he never needed it again. He didn't want to touch it again. He saw it differently. And so we can use our environments and we can leverage these tools and realize that this is not a solo game. This is not a you figure this out on your own. This is not you are isolated. That is a guaranteed path to failure. This means that you're the one responsible for running the race. Mm-hmm. You're the one responsible for putting one foot in front of the other. But you can build the biggest fucking support team that you want. And if you're going to run a marathon, why not have 100 helpers at every mile marker so you have 2,600 helpers to help you finish a race? Yeah. That is the game. So understand that and leverage that and use that to your help or to your benefit to get the results that you want. Yeah, no, and I love that because like even thinking about to the different events of yours that I've been at and going in like from the first time and just getting to know people to the second time to feeling like my footing's good to the third time feeling like, oh wait, I'm, I belong. And I had to go through that progression. Yes. And I think that a lot of times we see that whole lone wolf where we wanna go and be individuals and rugged and build our thing. But you can't, you need, for lack of better terms, a band of brothers or a group of people that will surround you and love you, even with what you deal with, because they deal with it too. I think we just always say, oh, wait, that's George. He's great. He's got everything under control. I have all my stuff. In reality, everyone has stuff. They just need someone in their life. Everybody has stuff. Everybody. And the faster you accept that and the faster you believe that and the faster you get authentic about yours – the faster it gets really fucking easy, really easy. And like Joe will tell you, like before we even do the podcast, I'm like, nope, felt like an atomic bomb was on my life. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Out of integrity so that on this show, I could just be present. And I felt integrity with with Joe. I don't need Joe to do anything. I didn't need help. I would ask for it. But if I ever do, I also now have a frame of reference. Like, hey, Joe, remember that thing I said the other day? You have a different perspective for me so that I don't have to deal with it alone. And quite frankly, Joe, I fucking hate losing. Like I hate it, like with Mm -hmm. a passion. And so I'm like, well, this is really, really easy. The only way to lose is to try to do it alone, which means if I'm stuck and that's the only way to lose, then there's only one way to win. Oh, I guess I might as well get unstuck and tell somebody. I might as well ask for help. I might as well tell my wife. I might as well call my friend. And just this like kind of rabid commitment to like, oh, let's fix it. Oh, let's work on it. Oh, let's talk about it. Oh, let's address it. Let's do this. And then it kind of just becomes a fun game at that point. And I get excited about it. And now I get feedback of like things I'm doing. And I like literally look at them with joy. And I'm like, wow. And I was like, man, number one, my ego is getting a little out of check because I thought this was way better. than I But now I know exactly what to do. And it's going to get better and better and better. And then I'm going to go do it. And, and then it just changes the game. And, and I want to, I want to summarize with this. And this is, this has kind of been my focus for this year so far. And I've, I've helped a lot of people with this and myself included. And this was a big focus for me for the last two years. But I think what's really, really important to understand is that at the end of the day, 
I have zero control on anything that happens outside of me. Nothing. Mm -hmm. I have no control. I can only control my input and the integrity of those inputs and hope that those mixed with what happens outside of me leads to a desirable result. And the reason I say this though is because I look at my life and you know, you know what I do, Joe, companies I run, the size of the companies I run, including like having a million dollar a month bill for attorneys to be in the middle of a lawsuit. Like it is a crazy, crazy, crazy world. But when I'm hit with all those things, when I, when I see all those things, when, when those things come across my plate every day, my business is dying, my ad account shut down, we just lost our team, half our team quit. Like no matter what, the situation at hand doesn't change. It's all the same. And in that moment, I can either choose to see it as really fucking hard or I can choose to see it as really, really easy. And the crazy part is, is that the success of me executing it, acting on it, responding to it is boiled down to how I choose to see it because the circumstances are not going to change. Only my relationship with them. And so there's plenty of areas in my life now just based on practice when I get hit with lawsuits, when I get hit with trademarks, when I get hit with ad account shutdown, when I get hit with whatever. It's like you just said good morning to me. It has no charge in my body whatsoever because I'm like, oh, been here before, done this before. Yep, nope, got it. Yep, okay, we'll do that, that, that. But then there's other areas that I haven't navigated before. And sometimes when those circumstances arise, they do trigger me. They do spiral me out of control. And that is an opportunity for me to work on those areas because if I make a decision, if I act in that way, if I believe those emotions, if I go re react to that and get into it, it's going to create permanent undesirable results based on temporary feelings. And so those are the moments that I ask for help. And in asking for help, it gives me a new frame and a way to see that evidence and to see that situation knowing that the situation itself has not changed. And so if I'm seeing it as hard, if I'm seeing it as difficult, if I'm seeing it as my world is ending, if I'm seeing it there, that doesn't mean that that's true. That means that's the lens that I'm mm -hmm. seeing it through. And now I know exactly where to start fucking spraying the shit and cleaning the fog away so that I can see it for what it is. Because the moment I can see it for what it is, I now have the ability to find all the clarity, all the parts and pieces that I can execute against that will actually fix it. I love that. That yeah. And, and I think it just takes that level of awareness and then the ability to start seeing it, having that team in place that if you do run into something you can't see, because we all have blind spots that are there and then just moving forward with it. And you said something else that I, I think I want people to really hear this. Yeah. Everything I know about you is relationship built. Everything. It's a hundred percent relationship built to the point of you value relationship more than you value transaction. I want to commend you on that because I've been around a lot of different people that don't. They value transaction or relationship. They value getting you to buy something over getting to know you or work with you. And something that I've seen with you is that you it, you treat everyone equally, whether it's a major business you work with or the person just starting out at the event, whatever that is. And I think that authenticity is such a key. And I want you to touch on that a little bit because I think authenticity and being true and just loving people and helping them is a secret sauce that you have that if other people could tap into, yeah. their business would go crazy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Listen, um, I'm going to answer this with like a relative story slash answer. So I think, I think number one, it's important 
to understand why I focus on integrity and relationships over everything. And to summarize that down, it's because my authenticity is my sobriety. The end. My authenticity is my sobriety. And that is not my sobriety just from my addiction to pain pills or my addiction to working out. That was also my addiction to entrepreneurship. That was also my addiction to the hustle. That was my addiction to the grind. That was my addiction. Like it was my addiction to all of those things. Um, and so part of me wanting to have a positive impact on this world and make my story mean something requires that I be integrous. And that holds me accountable to my commitments. And that integrity requires that I have a relationship with myself, which in order to have that, I have to be honest about how I feel. And what was happening in my life as an entrepreneur is I was this man, but then I thought I had to be this different man to succeed. I thought I had to you know, dress a certain way or speak a certain way or answer questions a certain way or treat people differently. And the only reason I learned these lessons, Joe, is because I did that until I lost everything. And I didn't just lose everything in my business. I also lost my identity because I didn't know who I was. And some of the biggest breakdowns in my life came from not truly expressing who I was with the awareness of me knowing who I am. And it almost cost me everything. My wife left me. I lost all my businesses because I couldn't live that anymore. And it was collapsing and I couldn't remember. And the pressure was insane. And luckily, it broke everything to a point where it was enough pressure that I realized that there was only one way for me to live and it felt impossible to live any other way. And when I started living that way, every single thing that I touched got easy. Every single thing that I interacted with was above brow. Everything was built on something solid and I started making more money and having more results and having better relationships and making a bigger difference on people when I just started being honest with myself. And here's the craziest part all my marketing, all my events, all my coaching, everything got easy. I didn't even have to market them anymore. I just had to talk. I just had to be myself. I just had to share. And so now I've lived in this world for the last you know, six years where I've focused every ounce of my being to either be in integrity or clean up where I'm out of integrity based on how I authentically view, of the, view the world without allowing my opinions or my truth to negate anybody else's experience and so in understanding that I feel like it's the only way that I can live now and so sometimes it's hard for me to answer this question because I don't know how I survived without it Joe because I shouldn't be alive I shouldn't be here and I shouldn't be successful based on how I used to show up in the world and every day feels like a gift now but it feels like the only way that I can operate and I will say that if you look at my business on paper, it makes no fucking sense. I should not make the money I make. I should not own the companies I own. I should not be friends with the people I'm friends with. I should not have the impact and influence I have because on paper, my business basically breaks every rule in the book of not being effective. But yet with all of that, everything that truly matters always works. And I have a successful business and I own multiple companies and I have these incredible relationships because when things get overwhelmed and when things break and when there's millions of things to do, I don't worry about them. And I just make sure that I'm focusing on the right things for the right reasons without trying to manipulate or agendize where they go. 
And that has created some of the biggest opportunities of my life. And I consider anywhere in my life that I show up out of integrity, a prison cell, because the only person I'm punishing in that moment is myself and expecting it to lead to some valuable life. And so regardless of business, regardless of strategy, regardless of tactic, why the fuck would you put yourself in a prison for no reason? other than that you value the opinion of somebody else more than you value the happiness of yourself. And the only way to be truly happy is to be truly honest with who you are, how you show up, and how you see the world. Being open to growth, being open to change, and allowing that to be the place that you connect with people. And so when that became my life, Joe, I built my entire world to hold me accountable for it for the rest of my life. And so my business is my accountability. My offers are my accountability. My coaching is my accountability. My teachings are my accountability. Like I have made a world where I'm surrounded by integrity and it's all I have. And so by default, it's just become the most powerful part of my life. Which I love, which is why I'm connected with you. Just because of how you operate, what you do. Um, and I know it's funny because this is a business podcast and a sales podcast and all that, but I think what we've been talking about here is probably the most important aspect for business and sales. You know, anyone can teach strategy and tactics, but if you don't have that right relationship with yourself, if you're not aware of where you're needing to be, if you're not authentic in your relationships, nothing else will matter because it's going to fall away. The scales well, are going to fall off. And I think what's important is, Joe, these are actually the true secrets that people want to know when it comes to being successful as a salesperson, a business owner, or an entrepreneur. And like, for example, in the last four days, I have been offered equity in two different companies that were not on the table because I had no agenda. Mm -hmm. And so like, I want to say this as well to people that when you really, really understand this, this is what you want to find for the most effective powerful principle that applies to selling and business and scaling and allow that to be your come from because there's no way to lose this game when you're honest, when you're integrous. And I've done this with Joe. Joe has tried to pay me money and I've told him to shove it back down his throat. Not because I don't want Joe's money. I want a lot more of Joe's money and I've told that to his face. Yep. But also in that moment, I was willing to say what needed to be said, that this is not, in my opinion, the best place to focus your energy. So I would try this instead. And my unattachment to the agenda and my willingness to invest in Joe for what's best for Joe, not invest in Joe for what's best for me, has only led to nothing but positives and Joe being one of the most pivotal people in my life that I've had the gift of meeting. But Joe has probably sent... 500 people my way. He talks about me on every podcast. We work together. I help him. I care about him. I care about his family. And in that, we'll both probably exchange money or one or the other way, but it doesn't feel like that because it's founded on real and it's based on value and it's based on a relationship. And that is the most valuable commodity that you could ever monetize in your life or in your business because it's the only fucking thing that matters. 
And a relationship is the thing is at the forefront and core of any decision that anybody ever makes, whether they opt in for you, whether they follow you, whether they whip out their credit card, whether they tell your friends for you. So the faster you can realize and hear what I'm saying and realize that I'm only successful because I made and lost all the millions I did because I did it the wrong fucking way. And the only reason I'm here is because what I'm telling you is what I live and it's the reason I'm successful. And the faster you get that and you focus on that, the faster you're guaranteed to win the game. And it's a long game. It requires consistency. It requires patience. It requires inputs. And yes, it's a hard game because it's the responsible game. It's the red pill game. It's you standing for fucking something different and saying no to right now for yes for something greater and giving it the opportunity and space to create that in your world. And now that does not mean I don't sell. Joe will tell you. If Joe came to me with a problem and I was like, no, no, Joe, listen to me. I can fix it. Here's where it is. This is what we'll do. I have no problem doing that. But that would mean that that met the moment and in the relationship where it was that was mutually beneficial. Mm -hmm. And the way that I think about it, Joe, is when I get to the end of my day, all I want to do is be able to close my eyes and sleep in peace, knowing that every single thing that I touched made me feel better about how I showed up that day and how I improved upon the world. And as ambiguous and woo-woo as that sounds, I have found that even when you take it as a strategy and tactic to only invest in people for the right reasons, it is the best business strategy and tactic and the biggest lever puller that you will ever see in your business. 100%. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And everything you said, I agree with 100% there. It's always been relationship with you. In fact, the first time I met you, you came in port six hours into a group oh. of five people that you didn't have to. No. And literally all of those, as far as I know, are still in your world and still like, impacted today and that's yep. not what the big gurus do but you're no. just all about people which i, I commend so i, I do want to shift to this because you do have a event coming up in austin oh, yeah. in march i have been to three they have revolutionized changed my outlook i wouldn't have my podcast wouldn't probably have my sales coaching if i hadn't been to your event so tell us a little bit more about them now i know we've been talking what we just talked about this last hour or so is a lot of what happens at those events. Surprise, surprise. There are strategies, there are tactics, but tell us a little bit more about the event, what's coming up in Austin. and Yeah, yeah. So basically it's our flagship customer journey event where I've taken the last 20 years as an entrepreneur and every model, tip, trick, experience around customer journey, around mindset and around relationships that I've used to scale all these companies to a billion, all of mine up. And we package it all together in either three days for general admission or four days for VIP. And for basically the my cost, we give it all to you. No upselling, no crazy funnels, just straight value in the room. We build customer journeys. We talk about emails. We talk about marketing. We talk about messaging. We also talk about your alignment and your not-to-dos and where you should spend your time and how to extract all your value and how to operate it in your team and be lean in your efficiencies and in your processes, plus the other speakers that come that give you all their genius. And we cram all of that in, I think for $600, Joe, for general mm -hmm. admission for three days. And for VIP, I think it's $39.97. And then you get all of that. But the fourth day is you get 30 people in a room with me, my entire staff and all the speakers. And we actually work on and build your business and the things that we covered in that room before you leave Austin, Texas. And so that is our Lighthouse Business Accelerator. And so who's it for? Any entrepreneur. And I'm not joking. And I refuse to niche this down because whether you're doing 
no money online. And Joe will tell you, we've had centimillionaires in the room. I've mm-hmm. had billionaires in the room sitting next to people that have never made a dollar online, because no matter where you are in your business, what we teach are the foundational principles that you will use in every business in every offer with every customer from this point on for the rest of the existence of your business. And I would be willing to bet my career that in 10 years, you're still using it. And that's what we cover at the event. Yeah. And so. I love it. And and they don't pitch from the stage either. I've been to multiple events. I've been to the ones where they pitch from the stage, the speaker speaks and says, work with me here and pitches. Nope. None of the guests that have been at your event have ever tried to sell me anything. Now, have I bought to. from them? Yes. Have I talked with them? Yes. Have I connected with them? Yes. But it's never been that whole transactional thing. That's why I love your stuff. Like I, I, I love that. That's because they're not allowed to. And the only time I ever pitch in the room is because everybody in the fucking audience keeps asking me, they're like, what's next? And then I'm like, you guys want me to talk about it? And so that's when it comes up. And that's about the only time it comes up. But if... but we have to clarify this, George. You don't pitch. I don't. I, I'm a sales <laughs> expert. You don't pitch. You say, hey, this is how I do this. If you want to work with me, it's this way. It's like maybe 10 minutes of the whole event, yeah, 15 yeah. if people ask questions. It's not. I so just want to clarify th- that. <laughs> if you think about the full event of four days, it's about 36 hours total if, if you support all four days. And the longest that I've ever talked about an offer was 15 minutes. And it's Mm -hmm. because everybody asked me to. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Here's what it is. Here's what you do. Here's what it is. Here's what you do. For me, that room is magical. The connections alone are worth the admission times 10. But Mm -hmm. it it really, really is a testament. And I I, I think it's important. If if you are an entrepreneur, if, if you believe in helping customers, if you really think that your value in the world should be directly proportional to the value that you create. If you want to feel aligned in your business, if you think upsells and downsells feel sleazy, if you think transactional funnels feel sleazy, like it's the right room for you to be in because Joe's taken one thing and kicked off a career. He's taken another thing and applied it over here. He's taken another thing and put it here. And it's not about all the things. It's about picking up the things that help you where you are to get to the next level and then adding more and coming back for more. And we're focused on building family. We're focused on here and my team and my commitment and Joe will tell you this. And we say this to you in the room is that we will fight to not allow you to leave the room until something has changed in your business for the better or in your life for the better. And we work on the holistic entrepreneur because you as an entrepreneur are the most valuable fucking tool that I have in your business. You are the one that executes. You are the one that thinks you are the secret weapon. And the faster that we can fill that bucket and extrapolate that thing into a rocket ship and get it on its path, the faster everything that you want comes to fruition. And so we hit the whole picture, the whole gamut. So the next one is March 9th through 12th in Austin, Texas. And uh, we are not sold out yet, but we haven't publicly pushed them hard. And we sold over half of them before we even opened them to the public. So it's coming, but the easiest place, Joe, for everybody um, is just to go to mindofgeorge.com and either click on event or just go to mindofgeorge.com slash event. And I know Joe, you'll give the link to anybody, but um, if you check it out, if you look at the page and there's one thing that interests you and you want to come party with entrepreneurs, you want to come hang out, you want to come meet it. I'll tell you this too. uh, Your swag bag is worth about 10 times your ticket price. And Joe can attest to that as well. So I do that to bribe you so you get in the room and then you can extract all the value. So I think that's my whole spiel on the event, Joe. No, that's awesome. No, I love it. And and you mentioned the connections, the connections alone for sure. Like I yeah. have connected, I'd say probably 80% of the people on my podcast have 
been connected through one of those events yep. of the three I've been at. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So that's where I, that's where I'd leave people. So if you have the thought, if you're on the fence, I'll see you in Austin and I can't wait to high five and hug you. I love it. Anything else before we let our guests go? Yeah. I think what's really, really important is that, you know, we talked a lot today. I would, I would, I would say, and, and I'd be honest with you that this is a podcast that I would also recommend re-listening to with some space. I would get a notebook, I would get a pad and paper and I would give yourself some time and I would re-listen to it. And what I would do is I would identify the areas of the podcast that triggered you, that that triggered a good thought or, or triggered a, oh, I should work on that or I should look at that. And I want you to give yourself a current state. And I just want you to commit to picking one on the list and working on that one for 30 days or 60 days or 21 days or, or give it a chance because that'll give you a roadmap of areas that you can work on immediately. And the faster you take anything from this show, and put it into practice and consistently use it, the faster this is going to work in your life and business. And so that would be my invitation for everybody. Awesome. Thank you again, George, for being on the show. You know, I love you. Like I love all your stuff. I would just personally, I love you. You're an awesome human. And for everyone listening, go to Austin. If you haven't been to an event, do it. If you can't make it to Austin, I'm sure they might have a little surprise. We can at least get the event. It's called the backstage pass. If you can't do that, he has a podcast called The Mind of George. This is a top 1% podcast. He brings a lot of value. Um, this is probably the – no, this is not probably. This is the biggest mentor in my life right now. So check him out. Listen to him. Share this episode with a friend. And until next time, you matter. You're worth it. Take time for you. Thank you for listening to the 150K Podcast. Remember, your dreams become reality when you take action on them. Feel free to reach out with any questions on Instagram at 150K Podcast. And until next time, keep pushing. You're worth it.